Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. So this is a consolation of heaven. He said that you to rejoice over, that your names are written down there. Your names are written down there. That's the great consolation, consolation of heaven. And then also he said, another consolation of heaven, he says, is when men actually hate you, when men reject you, just because of my name, because you adhere to my name, he says in Luke 6.22, Luke 6.22, he says, blessed are you when men shall hate you, when they shall separate you from their company, I don't want to be with you, and shall reproach you and cast out your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake. Rejoice ye in that day, leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven. So these are consolations, a counterbalancing consolation. He says, jump for joy when that happens. This whole concept of the counterbalancing consolation, hurt, evil, trouble, and then good and everything. Counterbalancing, it's all referred to in Romans 8.18. Romans 8.18, where Paul says, I reckon that the sufferings of this present time, that's on one side, are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. That's on the other side. It's the sufferings today are not worthy to be compared with the glory tomorrow. The sufferings today, as he said, are not worthy to be compared with the glory tomorrow. The glory tomorrow is referred to in 1 Corinthians 2.9. 1 Corinthians 2.9, where it says, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor has entered into the heart of man the things that God hath prepared for them that love him. Just think of everything you've seen, everything you've seen directly, everything you've seen on, by video or television or whatever, everything you've heard, something has told you, everything that maybe you've imagined in your mind. He says in 1 Corinthians 2, 9, way over that, way over that. Eye hasn't seen it, ear hasn't heard it, it has never entered into the heart of man, the wonderful things that God has done. That's a consolation from heaven. Another consolation to heaven is, you know, whenever you go on a trip, whenever you go on a vacation, one of the first questions you have is, where will I stay? Where will I stay? First questions. Well, I'm going to heaven. Where will I stay in heaven? And the Lord says in John 14, 2, John 14, 2, to answer this question, in my Father's house are many mansions, for we're not so... I would have told you. It's kind of funny. It's almost a Jewish phrase there. In my father's house are many mansions. So you think I'd tell you if it wasn't true? <laughs> I go to prepare a place for you. In verse 3, he says, If I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again. Receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Where will I stay? The Lord says, You're going to live in your own mansion that I have custom prepared just for you. And the best part of that mansion is going to be with me. That's a consolation. Consolation. He calls his followers little flock. Little flock in, in Luke 12, 32. Luke 12, 32. Fear not, little flock. It is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. You know that scene there in, in 
Luke 12, 32, paints a picture for us. It's a picture of the Lord Jesus. He's leading his flock, and it's hard, the flock, and the, it's scary for the sheep. And he's saying, come on, come on, he's in front. And then he turns around to his sheep and says, don't worry, you're coming to a good place. For Luke 12, 32, fear not. You can see the Lord turning around. Fear not, little flock. It's your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. It's a consolation of heaven. Well, when we read about this subject of the treasures in heaven, and you can't help but ask yourself the question, what are these treasures in heaven? And some might say, oh no, the treasures in heaven is gold. Gold, well, gold is described in Revelation 21, Revelation 21, 21. Revelation 21, 21 says the 12 gates were 12 pearls. Every several gate was of one pearl. The street of the city was pure gold, as it were transparent glass. So the street of the city in heaven is pure gold. So if the street's going to be gold, that means that the street is going to be paved with gold. And so gold is going to be so common, it's going to be pavement on the streets. That's a treasure. I mean, you know, but yeah, it's great to be there, but it's not a personal treasure. And then we might think, well, okay, gold, okay. Crowns, yeah, that's a treasure. Crowns, who's going to get crowns? Okay, okay, and that's true. The Bible does talk about crowns that we're going to receive in heaven. It says in 2 Timothy 4.8, 2 Timothy 4.8, Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, not to me only, but unto all them, also that love is appearing. Oh, there's a crown, a crown of righteousness is given to everybody who loves is appearing, okay. James 1.12, James 1.12 says, blessed is that man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. All right, crown of righteousness, crown of life, okay. 1 Peter 5.4, 1 Peter 5.4 says, when the chief shepherd shall appear, you shall receive a crown of glory, that fadeth not away. Okay, crown of righteousness, crown of life, crown of glory, different crowns, different crowns. And so the question is, are those crowns the treasures of heaven? Well, we see people wearing crowns in heaven in Revelation 4.4, Revelation 4.4, round about the throne were four and 20 seats, and upon the seats I saw four and 20 elders sitting clothed in white raiment, and they had on their head crowns of gold. Ah, crowns of gold, they're all sitting there. Okay, is it those crowns of gold that are treasures in heaven that are being referred to in Matthew 6.20? Well, the next verse after that, I mean, the verse following that, Revelation 4.10, Revelation 4.10 says, the four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne. So here's these people, they're wearing these crowns of gold, they're taking off their crowns, and they're casting them in worship to the Lord Jesus. And the question is, did anyone think, hey, those crowns are my treasures laid up in heaven. Hey, that crown's my treasure, I better go get my treasure back. It doesn't look like gold. It doesn't look like crowns are the treasures in heaven that are referred to in Matthew 6.20. Well, the Lord in Matthew 6, has been talking about treasures on earth. He says, don't lay those up. And then he's talking about treasures in heaven. He says, lay those up. And so we're, again, we're kind of stuck with, what's he talking about? Those treasures in heaven. We know about treasures on earth. What's he talking about? Well, we've seen, you know, it doesn't sound like it's gold or crowns. So to kind of get a, a feel and an idea for what are these treasures in heaven, it seems so ethereal. What are these treasures in heaven? What we have to do is go back and consider one of the tribes in Israel, which is the tribe of priests. 
The tribe of priests were the Levites. As a matter of fact, even though there were 12 tribes of Israel, as you know, there's only one tribe that's called the priests, the Levites. But yet, God called all of Israel to be, in a sense, part of this tribe, part of these tribes of Levites, because he called all of Israel to be priests. He says, if you follow me in in Exodus 19, 6, Exodus 19, verse 6, he says, and ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. So even though there's this one tribe, Levites, which are the priests, God told Moses, you go tell them that I want them all to be priests. I want this to be a kingdom of priests. So God didn't see the Levites in a sense and said, oh yeah, they are the priests. They are the only priests in Israel. God wanted all true followers of him, all those who obeyed his words, to see themselves as priests. And this is what he says in Isaiah 66, verse 21. Isaiah 66, verse 21 speaks of Israel. And he says, I will also take of them for priests and for Levites, saith the Lord. So he's not talking about saying, well, show me your pedigree and prove to me that you came from the son of Levi. And then I'll say, okay, you're a priest. No. What he's saying is that I'll take from all of them for priests and for Levites. I'll count them for Levites. And that's true of us as believers today. Believers today, out of all the 12 tribes in Israel, we as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ should see ourselves as part of the tribe of Levi. That's how we should identify. You want to know which tribe to identify with? Out of the 12 tribes, Levi. That's our tribe. Why? Because it says in 1 Peter 2.9, 1 Peter 2.9, but ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. You're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You see yourself as part of the Levites. That's how we should see ourselves, priests. And just as God said, I will take out of Israel and make them priests, I'll make them Levites, that's what God did for us. He made us priests. It says in Revelation 1.6, Revelation 1.6, the saved in heaven say, he hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Revelation 5.10, Revelation 5.10, again, repeat the same thing. He has made us unto God kings and priests. Kings and priests. And in Revelation 26, Revelation 20, verse 6, Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. Over and over again, you see believers are called priests. So we see ourselves as part of the tribe of Levi. That means that we got to see ourselves as the Levites, especially in the time when it came time for all the tribes to receive their treasure on earth, their inheritance of land in Israel. So Joshua now, he conquers, Joshua the conquering, he enters the land and he now starts to, to parcel it up, to give a parcel of land to each tribe. That's their treasure on earth. That's their land. That's their inheritance. So now when it comes time for the Levites, for Joshua to give the land to Levites, it says in Joshua 13.33, Joshua 13.33, but unto the tribe of Levi, Moses gave not any inheritance. What a letdown. 
And we can imagine the tribe of Levi, when they come into the land, they're standing there with all the other tribes waiting for their treasure on earth, their inheritance. And there's the tribe of Levi. They're standing there just like all the other tribes. They're waiting and waiting. And, and Joshua says to them, you get no land. You get no land in Israel. You get no inheritance. You get no treasure on the land of Israel. And we can imagine the some of the Levites saying, wait a minute. We're not second-class citizens when it comes to being a tribe. What do you mean we get nothing in the land of Israel? Don't you know that Levi was the third son that was born to Jacob after Reuben and Simeon? Why should the last son, Joseph, last son born to Jacob, Joseph, why should he get land? Why should he get inheritance? How come he gets a treasure on earth? And we're the third son. He's the last son. What's up with this? And Joshua replies, nope, no land for you. In Israel, no land for his Levi, no inheritance, no treasure on earth for you, Levi. I mean, imagine Levi saying, that's just not fair. Not fair. Leave us out of the land, of the inheritance, the treasure on earth, and all the other tribes get it. And we're to identify with this sense of loss, the sense of like, whoa, with the tribe of Levi. Because we're the kingdom of priests. We're the Levites. So we feel the same way of not getting his treasures on earth, just like David felt when he looked on the prosperity of the wicked in Psalm 73.3, Psalm 73.3, when he says, I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Psalm 73.12, Psalm 73.12, behold, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world. They increase in riches. Psalm 73.14, 73.14, all the day long have I been plagued and chastened every morning. Again, you go back to the Levites. They're standing there. Joshua's dividing up the land. They're saying to themselves, where's our inheritance? Where's our treasure? And then Joshua hears it and he goes, ah, yeah, Joshua, ah, you Levites haven't been left out. There's a treasure for you. There's an inheritance for you. It's not an inheritance on earth. It's not a treasure on earth. You feel like you have no treasure. You feel like you have no inheritance. You actually have the best inheritance because your inheritance is, again, that verse, Joshua 13, 33, Joshua 13, 33. But unto the tribe of Levi, Moses gave not any inheritance. The Lord God him of Israel was their inheritance, as he said unto them. So Joshua explains to the Levites, look, all the other tribes, they got their land on earth. But the Levites got an inheritance better than all the other tribes. All the other tribes got their inheritance on earth. The Levites got a treasure in heaven called the Lord God of Israel was their inheritance. So some of the Levites might have complained it's not fair that they get an inheritance of land on earth. The Levites actually got the greater inheritance. And as part of the tribe of Levites, we're to look at the Lord and say, let the other tribes receive their treasure on earth. Fine. Because with the Lord Jesus Christ as my inheritance, I got a better treasure in heaven. Why? Because of Colossians 2.9. Colossians 2.9. It says, Colossians 2.9, For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. So with the Lord Jesus Christ, we are complete. We have everything because we have him. It reminds me of a story of a, of a rich Roman father during the time in Rome. And he had a rebellious son. And the son was not loyal to his father, and the son was a pain to his father. But the father had a very faithful and loyal servant named Marcel. 
And Marcel was very loyal to him. And so the father, when he goes to make up his will, he tells his son, I'm leaving everything to Marcel. Everything I own is going to Marcel. But, you know, the father kind of felt bad for his son. Uh, leave everything to my servant. Nothing for my son. Okay, so he tells his son, I'll give you one wish. You, you can have one thing. He tells his son, everything's going to be left to Marcel, but you get one thing. So whatever you want, you can have that. So he asked his son, what do you want? What's the one thing that you want? His son thought about it a while, and then he said, Marcel. He knew that his father was going to leave everything to Marcel, and if he had Marcel, he'd have everything. That's the way. That's the way for us as Levites to see the Lord himself. We have the Lord Jesus Christ, and in him we have everything. And we're complete in him. And that's why the Lord is himself is better inheritance that the Levites received. Because all the other tribes that got their land on earth, but the tribe of Levi got the Lord himself. They got their treasure in heaven. This is our treasure in heaven. Our treasure in heaven is the Lord himself. He is the Lord Jesus Christ is our treasure in heaven. And as we look on him, as we look on him as our treasure, who we're looking at is the light of the world. So as we focus our gaze on him, as we set ourselves for him, as we give ourselves to gain him, so to speak, then we're looking at the light of the world. And that's why he said in Matthew 6, verse 22, the light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. If you have a one focus and you're only looking at the Lord Jesus Christ as the light of the world, you are going to be full of light. Full of light. The Lord says in Proverbs 23, 26, Proverbs 23, 26, my son, give me thine heart and let thine eyes observe my ways. We focus on him and our thoughts become consumed with him. As he says in Proverbs 23, 7, Proverbs 23, 7, for as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. And as we think of him, what we're thinking about is Philippians 4.8. Philippians 4.8, finally, brethren, whatsoever things were thinking, true, he's true. Whatsoever things are honest, he's honest. He's just, he's pure, he's lovely. He has a good report, he has virtue. If there be any praise, he's worthy of praise. Think on these things. We're thinking of the Lord Jesus. He is our treasure in heaven. Psalm 73.25, Psalm 73.25. Whom have I in heaven but thee? And there is none upon earth that I desire but thee. And so, in order to do that in a practical way, what does that mean to make ourselves, to think about him, to make ourselves to say, none upon earth that I desire upon thee? Well, it has to do with thoughts. It has to do with thoughts. And the first one, the first thought, is the Lord Jesus Christ should be our first thought of the day. Not what I got to do. This takes discipline. The discipline that David expressed for the first thought of the day and of Psalm 5.3, Psalm 5.3. My voice shalt thou hear in the morning, O Lord, in the morning will I direct my prayer unto thee and will look up. So he's our first thought of the day. And then throughout the day, he is our fixed thought, our fixed thought. And that's work, to not let ourselves get distracted and worried and going all these directions, but Fixed thought. And this is what David said in Psalm 57, 7. Psalm 57, 7. My heart is fixed, O God. My heart is fixed. I will sing and give praise. In um, 
Isaiah 26.3, Isaiah 26.3, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. Again, the idea fixed. And then, throughout the day, the Lord Jesus Christ has got to be our frequent thought. What we thought, think about often, frequently, in Psalm 119, 164, Psalm 119, 164, seven times a day do I praise thee because of thy righteous judgments. It says, Psalm 55, 16, Psalm 55, 16, as for me, I will call upon God and the Lord shall save me. Evening and morning and at noon will I pray and cry aloud and he shall hear my voice, he shall hear my voice. So this is what it means to set the Lord as our treasure on earth against the treasures of heaven, as against the treasures on earth. And he's trying to help us. The Lord is trying to help us. And he's saying, look, I want you to think about these things. Treasures on earth are temporary. Treasure in heaven is eternal. Treasures on earth are vulnerable to loss and decay. And treasures on earth are not. It's like you said in Proverbs 23, 5. Proverbs 23, 5. Wilt thou set thine eyes upon that which is not? For riches certainly make themselves wings. They fly away as an eagle toward heaven. Good luck trying to catch that one down. Treasures on earth, they promise things they cannot deliver. They promise happiness. They promise to make you content. But they don't deliver, and they make you frustrated. Uh, on the other hand, treasures in heaven, treasures of the Lord himself, he promises delight. He delivers. There's fulfillment. He said, Psalm 1611, Psalm 1611. Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand are pleasures forevermore. So at thy right hand are pleasures forevermore. And you think, what's at God's right hand? Well, it's really a question of who's at God's right hand, because it says in Psalm 110, verse 1, Psalm 110, verse 1, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou at my right hand, until I make thine enemies thy footstool. So, What's at his right hand is the Lord Jesus is at his right hand. How is he called? He says, at thy right hand are pleasures forevermore. Treasures on earth promise completion, but they don't deliver. Oh, if I could just have this, that would make my life complete. I would never want anything more if only I could have that. But it doesn't deliver. And a treasure in heaven, the Lord Jesus Christ, he does make us complete, as we saw in Colossians 2.9, Colossians 2.9. In him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him. So, when we look at these words in verse 19, verse 19, lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth. Verse 20, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. We can see that the treasures on earth are competing with the treasures in heaven, who is the Lord Jesus Christ. There is a competition there. And when we recognize that and see that, it should generate in us a contempt for the treasures on earth. It should generate within us a viewing the treasures on earth as an enemy. And this is where he's going in his next statement, which we'll cover. And he's saying here, you can't have it both ways. You cannot have it both ways. You cannot serve God and mammon. You've got to make a choice. And once we realize that, we realize that, hey, these treasures on earth are trying to grab my gaze away from my treasure in heaven. When we see that, we're going to say, don't like you. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for our instructing Lord Jesus, who is our Savior, not only from the sins that condemn us and would send us to hell, but also from the sins that would make our life miserable. 
So we thank you, Lord, for his words this morning. Help us, Lord, to hear and obey. In Jesus' name, amen. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org, tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for the Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. 